0: You can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, May sixteen. Next time somebody tells you things were tougher back in their day, just mention this. Tax paid by working Australians has jumped 30% in the past decade, even once you account for inflation. The Australians crunched the budget numbers and today we're revealing how bracket creep and the slow rise in overall taxation is costing us. Indigenous corporations could veto new mining projects under Queensland's proposed new treaty framework. Queensland's Indigenous Partnerships Minister Craig Crawford says Indigenous groups can request the power as the government hammers out how treaties could be written. Tweed Shire locals will hike Mount Warning on the New South Wales north coast to protest the abrupt and controversial closure of Wollumbin National Park. Locals and tourists have been suddenly locked out of Wollumbin, but it's not clear why. In today's episode, Inside the Messy Stouch, over the future of one of the nation's most loved national parks.
1: You come to the foot of Wollumban Mount Warning, the monolithic, totemic, almost mythic volcanic plug, 12 kilometres southwest of Mwollumba, on the New South Wales far north coast through ancient rainforest, across creek beds littered with car-sized boulders, and up, up towards the Wollumban summit trailhead. The mountain's tip, the first landmass to catch the morning sunrise anywhere in Australia, had been shut off.
0: That's Matthew Condon, a senior reporter with The Australian. He's describing Wollumbin, also known as Mount Warning, in northern New South Wales. The area is also held in high regard among botanists and ecologists, for it truly is one of the world's biodiversity hotspots. The mountain was closed in early 2020 as COVID 19 made its way along the coastline. The pandemic is over, but Woolumbun is still closed. Anyone attempting to access the mountain in the intervening years has been threatened with a fine and even arrest. But why? That's a good question, and nobody seems to know the answer. This is a story that goes right to the heart of a delicate balance, the intersection of Indigenous cultural heritage with the pressures of a modern economy, the question of who claims to speak for Indigenous Australia and what's open to everyone. Here's Matt Condon again.
1: In 2014, the mountain was deemed what they call an Aboriginal place. Now, that is a prelude to moving ultimately towards being able to enact legislation in relation to what future that site may hold. Now, last October, then New South Wales government declared that on Indigenous cultural grounds that at this point, no one could visit and hike and climb the summit. And thus, the site was literally physically closed off. Now, the New South Wales Parks and Wildlife Service, which are the custodians, if you like, legally of the national park there, issued a statement to me last Friday saying that the government had not come to a final firm decision on whether the mountain would be permanently closed on the basis of Indigenous cultural sentiments.
0: The result is confusion across the board.
1: So there's a lot of disconcerted, not just locals, local businesses that rely upon the foot traffic to Mount Warning. It's up to 130,000, 140,000 hikers a year, a lot of backpackers. But there's also a lot of confusion amongst Indigenous groups up here too. Some are saying, look, we are the custodians of the mountain. Our family has been living on the mountain for centuries. No one has approached us and consulted us about closing off a blanket closure of the mountain, and other groups, there's a hell of a lot of confusion on both sides of the argument, if you like.
0: At the centre of the controversy is a mysterious entity called the Wollumbin Consultative Group. It's been working with New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service on a management plan for the park for more than 20 years. According to Matt's reporting, the group is composed of representatives from the Tweed-Byron Local Aboriginal Council and the Bundjalung Council of Elders, along with other family groups from the area. Prior to the pandemic, a closure was under discussion, but COVID sealed the deal. The Wollumbin Consultative Group said it was no longer safe or culturally appropriate for the public to access the national park or climb the mountain. The problem is many local Indigenous people and business owners don't know who's actually in this mysterious group of insiders.
1: People have been trying to find this out over the past seven months. They've done freedom of information searches. Nobody can seem to get to the bottom of this particular group and thus I haven't been able to talk to them.
0: On top of that, traditional ownership of the mountain is itself in dispute.
1: So you have a specific clan associated with the mountain itself. And that group extends from far northern New South Wales into the Gold Coast region south of Brisbane. Then you've got the Bunjalung clan that go from around the Nightcap Mountains south covering Byron Bay, Lismore. So there is a lot of debate and confusion about pinning the actual history down. And I think this is what is upsetting a lot of people in both camps as well.
0: Not surprisingly, now there's a conspiracy theory. Indeed,
1: both Indigenous
0: and non-Indigenous
1: groups have said to me, independently of each other, that they believe this is a long game ruse on behalf of national parks to, in fact, hand over all the responsibilities of the mountain to Indigenous groups. And that would include, of course, annual upkeep and huge expenses in relation to that and take that responsibility off their plates.
0: This is a cultural dispute wrapped in a bureaucratic nightmare, and it's not the first national park to go through this. So, who wins in the end? More after this short break. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1980s and 90s, it wasn't uncommon to see groups of tourists, both Australian and overseas, scrambling up Uluru. In the years that followed, only a handful of people ignored pleas from traditional owners to look but not to climb. Now, the idea of climbing Uluru seems just weird, thanks to the thoughtful, respectful way the prohibitions on climbing were handled. A pivotal moment at the base of Uluru. The sign marking the climb's closure at the end of each day has been turned for the last time. No more climb back today, close it! Thank you very much! But if you know any rock climbers, Matt Condon's story of abrupt closure with no consultation, that'll sound very familiar. Campers and rock climbers could face restrictions in the Grampians National Park in Victoria. Camping will be restricted to 47 areas from 2024, while rock climbing will be limited to 104 zones. Off-track hiking will be outlawed... The big closures in the Grampians National Park was devastating for many rock climbers who come to the park from all over the world to camp, bushwalk and climb.
1: I'm going to take you to what is classified as the most difficult rock climb in Australia. It's up here on Hollow Mountain. Let's go. So this route was first completed
0: the park's authority and traditional owners wanted to protect rock art and sacred sites, and so they closed a huge climbing area while working out what, if anything, could be reopened. The claims about cultural heritage were hotly contested, and some routes have reopened, but there's deep, lingering confusion about the way it all unfolded. Almost 2,000 k's north, a similar story is unfolding in Willumban, in one corner is this mysterious Wollombin consultative group, the self-appointed arbiters of the mountain's cultural significance. And yet there are other clans who are saying, this is our family's
1: turf and it's fine to sh- maybe close off some specific areas that are indeed incredibly important to Indigenous culture, but there is no need to close the entire park down to visitors. So you you have... Indigenous groups themselves saying, we welcome people on the mountain. So it's not a, well, dare I say it, a black and white argument here. You've got two confused groups trying to sort out what is going on.
0: And then there are the locals who've spent lifetimes walking the national park's trails and climbing to the summit. One local Matt encountered had climbed the mountain 35 times over decades and now he too is locked out. And then there are the business owners whose livelihoods have suffered.
1: It's a mess, to be honest.
0: And so the question of what's true and what's not lingers.
1: What I see unfolding here is an absolute abuse of history. There are people grabbing pieces of history that suits their argument in this particular debate. The New South Wales government has been absolutely appalling in terms of any clear communication to all parties who have a vested interest in the mountain and its future. It just strikes me that a very important issue that needs to be discussed and debated within the community has been hijacked by bureaucracy. They need to press the refresh button, come out with some transparency, bring everybody together and talk this through.
0: Matthew Condon is a senior reporter with The Australian. Thanks for joining us on the front. You can read more of Matt's beautiful writing right now at theaustralian.com.au.
1: My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts.